Let's bring in our first guest this morning, Wayne Kaufman, the chief market analyst at Phoenix Financial Services, joins us to talk commodities and focus on the energies a bit. Wayne, good Monday morning to you. Welcome. We begin the week with... Good morning. We begin the week with uh, AAA reporting national average for a gallon of gas is up to $4.59 from $3.03 this time last year. It's really starting to weigh on sentiment. Yeah, that, that's, you know, crude oil and gasoline prices probably continue to be the number one story. You know, once, like maybe, I hate to say it, we're getting used to the war in Ukraine. And uh, energy prices are the big deal because then they weigh on the consumer. The consumer is 70% of the uh, economy, but also diesel prices are moving up uh, tremendously. And that affects everything. And we've seen that, you know, we saw some horrific earnings reports last week from Walmart and from Target. Mm -hmm. Target specifically spoke about their uh, transportation costs. And, you know, diesel is, is everywhere. It's throughout the whole economy. So we've actually seen gasoline prices over $4 a gallon in all states for the first time ever at California, north of uh, $6, five other states over $5. And the biggest issue here, we know that, that the price of oil is a big issue, but the other big issue is refinery capacity. We have limited capacity, there's a shortage, and that's not gonna improve anytime soon because they can't just snap their fingers and create new refining capacity. And uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, we lost uh, a million barrels a day of refining capacity and uh, capacity outside of the U.S. shrunk by over two million barrels per day. And there's no plans to bring new plants online. and. Yes, they can increase some of the existing plants a little bit, but companies don't want to spend a lot of money. You know, the last time uh, I was on in early March, we discussed the whole uh, oil complex, and I made the point that uh, companies in uh, oil producers had uh, developed tremendous balance sheet discipline. They weren't going to spend a lot of money, even though they had enormous free cash flows, which are expanding even as we speak, uh, they wanted to maintain a discipline. So why is this? Because all the companies in the carbon energy business know that they're fighting against the government in spite of what politicians have to say about, well, these companies have to bring on new capacity or more capacity. They have to pump more, more oil. They need to produce more gasoline. They, they know that they don't want to make billion or multi-billion dollar investments in a an area of the economy where the government is, by Joe Biden's own words, trying to put them out of business mm. and forgetting the government, there is a realistic expectation of a transition to electric vehicles mm. and clean energy that by itself, forgetting the hostile politicians, by itself, the fact that we know we want a transition to electric vehicles and clean energy. That makes the business model unprofitable in the long term. But here in the short term, they've actually got the refiners, which are having these, you know, they can't increase capacity. And that's why we have these shortages. We're expecting, they have scheduled another uh, 1.7 million barrels per day closings 
over the next uh, through the end of 2023. So it's an issue that's not going to go away very quickly. The only thing that really can make the prices come down dramatically would be if the economy started to slow. We don't want to see the economy slow too much. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about that. Ultimately, a fair amount of this does lie on the demand side of things. If we were to see, for example, the jobs numbers start to increase uh, or, uh, you know, unemployment uh, start to increase, ultimately, would that ease things you a little bit uh, think? I mean, because, again, uh, to your point here, uh, no plan to see production uh, increase in terms of uh, from the refiners, loss of uh, some of the refining capacity. And, again, you've got crude sustained $100 a barrel right now, 110 sustained in many ways right now. I mean, that's at the root of it. But yes, the demand side should be spoken to as well. Yeah, and demand demand around the world has been picking up. It's certainly picked up here. And we're ahead of the summer driving season. And, uh, you know, the last time uh, I was on again, this was early March, we discussed it was right around then that President Biden was uh, announced he was releasing uh, a million barrels mm -hmm. a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And I said at the time, you know, oil was down that morning. And I said it was, you know, purely mathematical that it was down about 5%, which is what a million barrels per day uh, uh, takes out, uh, I'm sorry, increases our uh, production, which was about 19 and a half million. So that was pure mathematical. But that pullback was very short lived. And I said back then that. Uh, oil prices looked like they were going to go higher. And one of the reasons was the commitment of traders report the, um, the, uh, that's from the CFTC, Commodities Futures Trading Commission, every week they come out. And the so-called smart money, the commercials that actually own the underlying, they were not selling their futures. Well, guess what? Today, now with uh, oil in the 111s or 112s, and amazingly, WTI was higher than Brent at one point last week. They're still very bullish on the price of oil. For your uh, viewers who don't understand this, they sell their futures and they bring in money. That's uh, a hedge to some degree. And they, they're always short to some degree. When they're less short, it means they're bullish. Hmm. When they're more short, it means they don't think oil's going up much, so they sell less of their futures. Well, Right now, they're still very, very bullish relative to the amount of their futures they're selling. So oil prices are not coming down anytime soon uh, substantially unless there's a slowdown in the economy. In many ways, kind of adding to, uh, again, as you pointed out here, as far as the uh, limited ability to increase refinery capacity and such, um, in terms of this bullishness, I mean, uh, some of it coming from uh, China and some of the expectations that the lockdowns are going to ease in the near future? That's a great question. I don't have a real firm answer for that. It, certainly, certainly, that's very reasonable. At some point, the lockdowns will ease. Mm -hmm. China's been crushing their own economy. Mm -hmm. I think everybody knows that. And how, how long can you lock down a city, for example, uh, of 25 million people? How long can you do that? You know, uh, they've, they've got social unrest coming from that. So, yeah, once China starts to go again, uh, what will happen to oil demand? Um, that, that's a great point. You know, and here, kind of speaking to your point earlier, in terms of what could slow some of this run-up we've seen or the bid or the support we've seen, I guess, 
uh, is the best way to put it in terms of crude, is the demand factor. We can see the ES coming off with the recent rate hikes and uh, some of the headwinds that the uh, investors have been facing. Oftentimes, these two track each other very closely, but crude continuing higher does provide one of those headwinds. Uh, speak to us, Wayne. It's not just crude. I mean, we look at the energies quadrant. Again, gasoline futures. You mentioned diesel. Uh, natural gas up and through the $8 level. I mean, it really all starts to add up. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a drag on the economy. And uh, it comes at a time when, you know, our economy is, everybody's wondering. We, we've seen the stock market here. It's just been horrific. Uh, you know, the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. uh, you know, through now. And people are wondering, is this uh, the start of something really catastrophic? And uh, I guess it's possible. You know, Bank of America just put out a bunch of statistics on bear markets. And uh, based on the average bear market, which I'm not hanging my hat on, um, they're saying that the uh, average dropped 37 percent last 289 days. And that would take us to 3000 by October 19th. So um, my view right now is the economy is rebalancing from uh, all of the COVID stuff and now to some degree the Ukraine war, which is going to take longer. But I think the economy is rebalancing. And um, I think that uh, one of the problems is the Fed when we talk about volatility in the market. And I really believe that this Fed is well on their way to becoming one of the um, worst feds in history, that they'll be acknowledged as one of the worst in history. And earlier in the year, I said uh, to our brokers, I said, I thought that one of the surprise trades of this year would be long treasuries, okay, or long bonds. And that was because I saw a lot of the commodities starting to peak. So we still see the grains, they're still up there, and, and that's not going to change because, uh, you know, Russia and Ukraine together supply uh, a quarter of the world's wheat and barley, 16% uh, of corn, more than 75% of sunflower oil, and uh, an enormous amount, more than 20% of fertilizers. So uh, the grains and food prices are still going to stay up. When you put that along with gasoline, obviously the consumer is getting, getting hurt. So the question is, how long and how bad will that go? So, so far, I view it as the economy is rebalancing, but I think the Fed is going to make a policy error, which they've made many ever since Jay Powell became the chairman. They've just been terrible. I call him wrong way Powell. I don't want to be snarky, mm -hmm. but he's gotten it wrong all the time. Yeah. And now I'm watching real interest rates actually getting back to levels of 2019, 2018. That's real interest rates. Uh, I'm seeing uh, consumer discretionary spending dropping down dramatically. So the consumer is definitely being hurt. The economy is rebalancing, but the Fed is still talking so hawkishly. And people should look at the chart of the S&P 500 and see that on April 21st, that uh, Jay Powell spoke. And then from April 21st to three weeks later, the market dropped like 15%. Right up from his words, you can literally point that out on the chart. And I think that they're making mistakes. And if uh, I think they're going to have to change course sooner than they believe. And if they do, if they let the economy go through a natural rebalancing, and all we really have to worry about is oil and gasoline and uh, some higher food prices, which is bad enough, but if they're going to make it worse by 
being on an unrelenting course to raise interest rates, then I think there's, there's uh, definitely bad problems ahead. Well, I'd imagine, Wayne, as we try and answer the how long and how bad questions, and then ultimately as this rebalancing occurs, we could probably expect to see continued volatility and support for some of these commodity prices. Wayne, appreciate you joining us. Great breakdown this Monday morning and uh, a great start to the week. Wayne Kaufman, Chief Market Analyst at Phoenix Financial Services.